read an article this morning entitled, Inflation is at its worst. Folks, we're living in it. We're living in it. It, it, it may not have caught up to you yet, but it will. Unfortunately, it's going to. The article goes on to say some ticket prices are up as much as 100%. In general, the prices that consumers pay for goods and services recently notched their largest year-over-year jump since, get this folks, some of you weren't even born, 1982. Largest jump since 1982. Gas prices alone, on average, are up a whopping 58.1%. If sports are more your thing, NBA or NHL tickets cost about $94 a seat on average. According to SeatGeek data, while the average ticket for an NFL matchup, not including playoff games, not the games that are taking place uh, today, but the regular season games, uh, cost even more, roughly $151 a seat. If you can score one at all, if you can actually even find one at all, that's what they would be. In a secondary market where many of these tickets are bought and sold, the average resale price per ticket jumped roughly 28%. That's a good return, folks. For sporting events and about 45% for concerts. The average resale price of an NFL ticket, for example, rose to $237 from $198. Grocery stores, restaurants, you don't even, I don't even have to tell you. If you're, if you're cognizant, if you actually pay attention, prices are skyrocketing. Going to Funland Amusement Park in Rebolf Beach, Delaware, for instance, now costs $30 up from $15, that's doubling, just a few years ago. Dollywood in Pigeon Forge, Tennessee, Sesame Place in Bucks County, Pennsylvania, and Santa's Village in New Hampshire's Christmas theme park to hiked admission prices, 22%, 29%, and 50% respectively over that same time, which, which goes right before the pandemic. So my message today is entitled, When the Brook Dries. When the Brook Dries. Simple but powerful message if you'll receive it. Three simple points here and at the end we'll have an invitation to follow and commit yourself to Jesus Christ. And that's for all of us, just, not just for those that have yet to take their initial first commitment. We're going to talk about Elijah beginning in 1 Kings chapter number 17. Elijah the prophet of God. Verse number 1, Elijah the Tishbite who was the inhabitant 
mountain of Gilead said unto Ahab. Ahab was the wicked king married to his wife Jezebel. Which if you could be more wicked may have been even more wicked than Ahab was. He said as the Lord God of Israel liveth before whom I stand. There shall not be dew nor rain these years. But according to my word. Elijah said it's not going to rain. There's not going to be any dew that's going to come upon the ground for the space of my word. It's going to follow my word. Verse 2, and the word of the Lord came unto him saying, the word of the Lord came to Elijah saying, and then in verse number 3 and verse number 4, God tells him to turn eastward and go there to the brook Cherith. And I want you to stay there at that brook. Now mind you, it's not raining. Mind you, there's no dew coming upon the earth. And God sends Elijah to a specific place. He says, go to the brook Cherith. And I want you to go there and drink from that brook. And I've ordered some ravens there to feed you. I've ordered some birds, some ravens to come and to feed you. Now I want you just to go Elijah and hang out at the brook and these ravens they're going to swing by the local Chick-fil-A and they're going to pick you up a number one or a number three or whatever it is your preference may be and they're going to come back with that little sack of food. They're going to come back with that sandwich of bread and meat there and they're going to bring it to you so that you can eat it both in the morning and in the evening. They're not going to get you a drink though. They're going to pass on that because you're going to drink from the water that's in that brook. So God is supernaturally providing for Elijah. James chapter 1 verse 17 says every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the father of lights in whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. Philippians chapter 4 and verse number 19 says but my God shall supply all of your need according to his riches in glory by Christ Jesus. Somebody give the Lord a hand clap if you believe that. So Elijah did what the Lord had told him. Elijah did what the Lord had commanded him. Sometimes you don't know what's best. Sometimes your friends won't know. Your family won't know. But God always knows. God always knows what's best. And obedience, folks, is better than sacrifice. To obey the Lord is better. Sacrifice is great and sacrifice is necessary. But to obey is foundational. Obey is a foundational principle in the word of God. If no obedience, the plane never gets off the runway. You must obey God's word. Hebrews 13 and 8, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. What he's done before, he can do again and will do again. He's still taking care of those that put obedience first. 
He's still taking care of those that put obedience first. The ravens brought Elijah bread and meat every morning and every evening. Easy following God when birds are bringing you food and you're by a brook that's running with fresh water. It's easy to be on the mountaintop. It's easy to be, to be positive uh, when God is supplying for you supernaturally. Some things, uh, some things happen that you can't explain. There's, there's God times in our life. There's times when, when, when God's spirit is just free-flowing in our life. And it seems like the, that most of our prayers get answered. And things just seem to be, to be falling in place. And life is great. And, and everything is good. And, and the dog even likes you when you get home and he, he's smiling and wagging his tail and ready to lick you on the hand and, and just life is good and people are smiling at you on the job and, and your kids are all making A's and they're all hitting the home runs at their games it's easy to praise God when life is good and, 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 and the returns are coming in and you're getting a raise on your job and bonuses are great it's easy to praise God when, 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 when the family is all getting along and, and, and the in-laws even getting along and, and, and everything is just uh, kind of, as I said, falling uh, into place. It's easy to live uh, for God in those God times. Not because we're smart. If, if you can explain it, God probably didn't do it. If you can explain how something worked out or how something turned out. Uh, folks, I didn't get a single call this week saying, Pastor, I just want to let you know that I'm loving my wife just like Christ loved his church. Not a single call about that. I, I just want you to know that, 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 that I'm doing the right thing at home. That I'm, I'm being a godly father and I'm being a godly husband or I'm being a godly, godly wife. And, and I'm loving my husband and I'm loving my wife and, and things are going good. I, I just want you to know, Pastor, that I'm, I'm taking my wife out tonight on, on a date night. You don't get calls like that when, when things are going great. Uh, but, but not that nobody, nobody did that. But I'll often get calls about the opposite. If we just get out the manual, if we just get out the word of God and begin to live our lives and pattern our lives after this book, it's the B-I-B-L-E. Somebody ought to make that the book for, for you. It ought to be the book for, for me. Somebody say amen. We'd find the right way to do it because it's all found in that book. Verse number 7 of that same chapter in 1 Kings chapter 17. And folks, this is huge. This is huge because this takes place. The rain cometh down on the just and the unjust alike. The Bible says, and it came to pass after a while. Remember Elijah's at the brook? Remember Elijah's getting, getting these sandwiches, breakfast sandwich, and then an evening sandwich. And it came to pass. After a while, that the brook dried up because there had been no rain in the land. If you remember that first verse that we read, it shall not rain, but by the space of my word. When it does not rain, things become dry. When there's no rain to replenish, things run out. And the brook dried up. 
because there's no rain in the land. The brook dried up. Now, if you are Elijah, would you be okay with this? Is this something you're smiling about and say, yes, the brook dried up? He wasn't all right with that. That was his source of his, of his liquid. That was his, that was his drink for, for his sandwich. That was, that was what he was, was sustaining him. Elijah probably ate his sandwich one week, and he's right there beside that brook, and he notices that, that, that he's starting to see rocks that he didn't see uh, the week before. He's starting to notice that, that it's not quite as deep uh, as it once was. Uh, he's noticing that, that, that maybe something is happening. And then the next week, man, he, he's probably praying, Oh, God, uh, I know that it's getting a little lighter here. I know that, that it's getting a little more shallow here. God, don't let this brook uh, dry up he's probably praying please God don't let that brook dry up and he's probably saying God you led me here I followed your word you spoke to me you gave me specific directions to go where I am right now how could you let this happen to me I followed you here and that's where some of us are today. And, and if not today, some will be uh, later on this year. Or sometime possibly in the next uh, three years. Man, three more years. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Three more years. The brook is dry. It's not because you're not following Jesus. And you're like, what am I supposed to do without the brook? What am I supposed to do without water in this brook? Have you ever been to a place where the brook was dry? Listen, God didn't bring Elijah to the brook to punish him. He brought him to prepare him for greater things that would blow his mind. He didn't take him to the brook and allow the brook to dry up for punishment to him. He took him to the brook to prepare him. Most of us understand the next chapter in 1 Kings. 17 is where we are right now. The next chapter, chapter number 18, gives some great stories. If you begin or if you go down to verse number 17 of chapter 18, Elijah confronts Ahab there. He goes. And, and Ahab says, are, are you the one that troubleth Israel? And, and Elijah says, I'm not the one troubling. You're the one that's troubling uh, Israel. And he's taking a stand. Uh, Elijah takes a stand against this uh, wicked king Ahab. It's, it's good versus evil. It's, it's righteousness taking a stand uh, against unrighteousness. Uh, are you the one that troubles? I'm not the one troubling Ahab. You're the one that's troubling uh, Israel. Talk about dehydration three and a half years at this point it has not rained no no water from the sky no dew coming up on the earth it's dry and then in verse 18 it's it's Mount Carmel Elijah going to Mount Carmel 
facing off against the 450 prophets of Baal there, false prophets. Elijah, one man, one follower of God, one prophet of God against 450 false prophets. In verse number 21 of that chapter 18, Elijah came unto all the people and he said, How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. If Jesus is Lord, follow him. How long halt you between the two opinions? How long you wrestle between the two things? How long do you stand upon the fence? Serve God one day, serve the devil the next day. How long halt you between two opinions? If the Lord be God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people answered him, not a word. And then he skipped down to verse 24 and Elijah said, let the God that answers by fire, let him be God. Prophets of Baal get up and they set this, uh, this altar up and they're, they're yelling to their God. And of course, Elijah's kind of mocking them. He speak louder, pre-adventure that your God sleepeth. Uh, maybe he can't hear you scream a little bit louder. And they're doing their rituals and they're cutting themselves. Uh, demonic type of actions there and nothing's happening. There's, there, there's no response from this uh, false God. And then, and then Elijah comes and he rebuilds uh, the altar, tears down the wicked one rebuilds uh, he makes ditches and he fills the ditches up with water and don't know where he found water in the time of drought and, and then Elijah prays a 63 word prayer he didn't pray for three hours he didn't he didn't have to he didn't have to do much he prayed a 63 word prayer and the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice now he only prayed a 63 word prayer right then but folks he'd been praying it wasn't what he did in public that was shown it was what he had been doing in private and it excelled on the outside in the midst of public 63 word prayer and the fire fell and consumed the sacrifice verse 39 and when all the people saw it they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. He then prays. He then gets on the mountain, puts his head between his legs. He does that seven times. God, send the rain. God, send the rain. Hadn't rained in three and a half years. They're in the midst of a drought. Send the rain, God. Send the rain. Tells the servant to go. Tell me what you see. Look out over the sea. Tell me what you see. Don't see anything. Don't see anything. The seventh time, he comes back and he said, I see the cl a cloud like unto a man's hand. He said, get thee up. Get thee up for I hear a sound of abundance of rain three and a half year drought and now rain is coming now there's a refreshing that's going to come to Israel nothing like a refreshing in the spirit nothing like being renewed in the Holy Ghost that's why a few weeks back we had a service that focused on giving everybody in the house an opportunity to be filled and to be refilled with the Spirit of God and people all 
all over the house uh, were being refreshed. People all over the house uh, were being refilled. Why? Because a refreshing with God is an important experience. We're not just a one-time thing. This isn't just a one-time experience. We keep going back to the well. We got to have that. You can't say, oh, well, I've been, I was raised in this. I know all about it. You still need a refreshing. You still need a newly, daily renewing in the Holy Ghost. You need your mind renewed. You need the presence of God to sweep over you afresh. So there's a refreshing that's taking place. And the water begins to fall from the sky. Resets are important. Last week, nothing like it. We, we got to reset. Reset. Turn your, turn your eyes back on what's right. Get back on the right track, the right road, the right path. Make God first all over again in your life. Fresh spirit like never before. But it happened. Listen. It happened after he sat by a dry brook. God wasn't punishing Elijah. He was preparing Elijah for great things. Those mountaintop experiences didn't happen until Elijah sat next to a dry brook. He was preparing Elijah. And if you're here this morning and you feel like the brook is dry, you feel like that you're in a drought, you feel like that you're dehydrated spiritually speaking, I believe God's not punishing you. One chapter later, Elijah's on that mountaintop and he's calling fire down from heaven. Don't give up when you're by the brook. Don't give up when you're by the brook. God had to teach Elijah some, th- some things by the brook. Somebody's got a a visitor, maybe Amazon Prime just showed up. God had to teach Elijah something by the brook. Elijah thought the brook was his supply. Listen to me now. Elijah thought the brook was his supply. And God is saying, I brought you by the brook to teach you. You don't depend on brooks. You don't depend on the brook. The brook is something that I have supplied for you to sustain you for this period of time. But you don't put your faith in the brook. You put your faith in the God that brought you to the brook. You learn how to depend on God because even though the brook may be dry, God is never dry, and his supply never runs out. Uh, Don't give up on God when the brook is dry. Jesus was in the tomb three days. It it wasn't the first day. It wasn't the second day. It was the third day when when folks are heading back home, when people are going back to doing the same things that they had done before. Don't give up when the brook has run dry. Don't run from a situation that God reigns over. Don't run away from a situation that God has brought you to and reigns over. It's easy to quit when you're by the brook and the brook runs dry. It's easy to run off in another direction. 
Don't give up on the God who has never given up on you. Why does God suffer the brook to run dry? Why did God allow the brook to run dry? To teach us to trust in him, not in his gifts. To teach us to trust in him, not in his blessings. To look to him, not unto his resources, but unto him. Some people following for the blessings. Some people following for what they can get from him. You follow God. You trust in God. You worship the one true God. And the blessings flow. Whether it's a brook. Whether it's a widow woman. Whatever God has to do. He'll do it. But you trust in God. Not the brook. As a general rule, he does not for long provide his people for his people in the same way and by the same means, lest they should rest in them and expect help from them. He didn't just continuously let the brook satisfy Elijah because Elijah's trust would turn to the brook rather than to God. So he lets the brook dry up. And even when the brook is dry, you still trust in God. God you still put your trust in God sooner or later God shows us how dependent we are upon him even for supplies of everyday mercies his mercies are renewed every morning but the heart of the prophet must be tested to show whether his trust was in Cherith or his trust was in the living God. So it is in his dealings with us how often we think we're trusting in the Lord when we're really resting comfortable on circumstances. Resting in comfortable circumstances. And when they become uncomfortable, when things aren't the way that they were, we suddenly question or even run in the wrong direction. How much faith do we have? When things change, and it's not as easy as it once was, when the brook dries, how much faith do we have? Folks, I led off this, this, this message with, with the state of inflation in the economy. It hasn't hit yet. You're not feeling the effects of it as much as you will. So what happens when the brook dries? Because honestly, money was easy in the last previous administration. It was easy. It was flowing. But folks, it's getting shallow. The brook is running dry. Where's your faith? What are you going to depend on? It's easy to worship God. It's easy to serve God when it's just flowing. Bags of Chick-fil-A just showing up. Endless supply. Suddenly the brakes are getting more than pumped. Tires are locking up. Where's your faith? Is your faith in the brook? Where is your faith in God? Where is your faith? When things change, and suddenly it doesn't come as easy, and the brook is dry, where is your faith? Were you trusting too long in the brook? 
or is your faith and trust placed in the one who sent you to the brook? See, this, this is the curious thing where if people don't truly have God first, and you're going to get this, this message, I encourage you to find this message a year from now when some brooks have dried and, and maybe a year and a half from now. It's not as easy. Where have you placed your faith and your trust? It's easy when things are flowing. Make sure it's in God. Because often, he switches things. God gave water from a rock to his people in the wilderness. Sustaining water came out of a rock in the wilderness. A lot of times what people do is they, they build memorials to the object. That if, you know, some, some, by some miraculous event, God chose something to work a miracle in somebody's life. I remember one, one service right here in this building where we was talking about, you know, drawing a, drawing a line in the sand, a circle in the sand, say, God, I'm not moving until you bless and I had a little hula hoop in here. And I threw the hula hoop down there. And people were coming up and getting inside that hoop. And, you know, casting their cares on God. And telling God what he wanted them to do. And great things taking place in their life. Well, if we'd have had miracles and miracles and miracles take place from that hula hoop. You know what people began to do? This is human nature. They'd get them a hula hoop at home. And then every time they go through a, through a situation, they'd go to the closet, get that hula hoop out, make their kids get in the hula hoop, get in there, pray for them in the hula hoop. They build memorials to the event or to the object instead of realizing that it's God that performs it. There's a story of a, of a woman, you know, that was cooking a ham, cooking a ham. She'd always cut the ends off the ham, put it in the pan, before she put it in the oven. And her, her little girl said, Mama, why you, why you cut the, the ends off of, off of the ham? And, and uh, she said, that's just the way you do it. She cut the ends off. She put it in, in the pan, put it in the oven. She said, that's the way Grandma did it. That's the way her, you know, that's the way she taught me to do it. I'm doing it, and that's the way I'm teaching you to do it. So the little girl didn't, didn't want to just take that as, as you know, truth. She called up Grandma and said, Grandma, I, I don't understand. Why do you cut the ends off of your ham before you put it in the pan, put it in the oven? She said, oh, honey, the ham wouldn't fit in the pan, so I'd have to cut the ends off. That's what folks do. Something happened, and then they build a memorial to that. Something took place. They don't understand why it happened, why it took place, so they just continue on from there. And if you're like that, if your sustenance is in the brook and you trust in that brook, when that brook dries, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? God gave water from the rock to, to his people in the wilderness. He brought water from a jawbone to a thirsty Samson. Same water, same way to sustain him, just brought it two different ways for a two different time period, two different people. Jesus is the special one. The rock and the jawbone weren't special. Jesus is the special one. 
He's the one that can make something out of nothing. He's the way maker. He's the way, the truth, and the life. He came to, that we might have life and that we have it more abundantly. He wants to give you life and that to its fullest. Do you want that? Do you want what Jesus has come to give you? Blessed are they that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Stories told, and I've said it before, but I love this story. Listen to it. African king who also, uh, 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 his best friend, who served him personally, and, and, and he was always so positive. The servant and the, the friend was always so positive. The king, everything that happened, he'd, he'd just say, this is good, this is good. No matter, no matter what you said to his, to his servant, the servant would say, this is good. This is good. Now, now, there's something about that that we could take. We talked about positivity and, and getting rid of doubt and getting rid of negativity last week. And that fasting, we've been starving some things. Hopefully, you haven't picked those things back up. This uh, servant and friend of the king was positive. No matter what happened, he said, this is good. Raining outside. Man, it's raining outside. And the servant will say, this is good. This is good. Sun shining outside. The servant say, this, this is good. Something bad happened. And the servant say, oh, oh, but this is, this is good. Uh, he was positive. One day they were out hunting uh, and the friend, the, 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 the servant had loaded his gun, the king's gun. And when the king shot, the gun misfired. And the king's thumb uh, was blown off of his, of his hand. And the king was so furious, uh, he turned to his friend, his servant, who had loaded it, uh, and said, what in the world? And the servant said, this is good. And the king said, oh, no, this is bad. And he locked his servant uh, up in a dungeon. And a year later, servant had been in that dungeon for a solid year. And the king is out hunting again. The king gets captured by cannibals and they're getting ready to eat him and they realize that the king doesn't have a thumb and cannibals are superstitious and they don't eat the king because he's not whole they said we don't eat anything that isn't whole so they let the king go and the king, in his gratefulness and in his thanks, he remembers his friend. He remembers his servant who's been in a dungeon for a year long now. He threw him in the dungeon. And he remembered that he's locked up in jail. And he tells the man the story. He goes and gets him. And he apologizes for locking him up. And the friend said, this is good. And the king said, how could you say that? Uh, how could you be sitting in a jail for a year now? And I'm the one that puts you in that. How could you say that that is good? And the servant said, uh, the friend said, because if you hadn't locked me up in jail, I would have been with you. This is good, folks. This is good. This is good. The brook is drying up. It may not seem good. The brook drying up. The situation that you're currently in. The bad that may have come. It may not seem good. But you don't put your trust in the brook. We trust in God. 
and all things work together for the good of him that love God and are called according to his purpose. We don't understand why. Why would the brook dry up? Why would this bad come in? Why would God not answer this prayer? Why would this happen? I don't know. But maybe, just maybe, God is preparing. God is preparing just like he was preparing Elijah for a Mount Carmel. Just like he was preparing Elijah for what would happen in the future. He was preparing a prophet for what was to come. Prophet needed further training in secret if he was to be personally fitted to speak again for God in public. The trying experience of Cherith before he's ready for the triumph of Mount Carmel. Remember, in the Lord's, when the Lord was teaching his disciples to pray. He said, after this manner, pray ye. After this pattern, pray ye. Gives them a pattern there to pray. Doesn't give them words just to, just to quote and call that a prayer. He's giving them a pattern to pray. Thy will be done. Your will, God, be done. Precedes. Give us this day our daily bread are you hearing me God's will precedes give us God may have some things that he's teaching you before he gives you some things that he's working out in your life and bettering you and preparing you before he blesses you there's a brook of Cherith that dries up before there's a Mount Carmel victory. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Trust God. Your will. Your will before give us this day. Acts 26 and 8 and I'm coming to a close. Why should it be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? the Apostle Paul here speaking. He says, why should it be, a, be thought a thing incredible with you that God should raise the dead? Why should it be such a thing that's so far out that if God closes one door that he would open another? Why would it be something that you can't get a hold of that God is going to make a way where there seemeth to be no way. God can, folks. God can. God can. He has the power. He wants to give good things to his children. Come on. With man, it's impossible. But with God, all things are possible. Stand to your feet with me as I'm closing. A young man one day was driving his vehicle down the road listen to me and it broke down he's on the side of the road and, and even if we don't know anything about cars what do we do what do we do Sam how what's the first thing you do you open the hood I don't care if you don't know the first thing about fixing it what you do is you pull over in that emergency lane and you 
open the hood. So he opens the hood, and it don't take him very long to figure out that I know absolutely nothing about how to fix this thing. He looked. He may have even touched some things. Can't tell. Can't tell. So here he is standing there and pretty much scratch, scratching his head. And about that time when he realized he didn't know anything to do, a limo pulls up. And a guy in a tux gets out of the car. And he said, you having trouble? He said, yeah, a little. He said, get in the car and I'll tell you when to crank it up. The man in the tuxedo did a little something underneath the hood. And he said, go ahead, go ahead, crank it. And when he said hit it, boy turned the key and it started right up. He gets out of the car and he's smiling. He's happy because he can get on down the road. He said, sir, what do I owe you? He said, ah, you don't owe me anything. He said, you see, I'm Henry Ford. And that's one of my cars. One of my creations right there. I can't stand to have one of my creations on the side of the road not running. Listen, folks. You are God's creation. You are God's creation. God's not wanting to cut you off. He's wanting to keep you running. Don't let a failure keep you down. Don't let, don't let adversity keep you down. Don't let a, a brook that's drying up keep you down. God can make a way out of no way. God can make a way where there seemeth to be no way. So number one, God's not punishing you. If you're next to the brook that he's called you to come to, he directed you to come there, and now the brook's dried up, he's not punishing you. He's preparing you. And the second thing, don't depend on brooks. Depend on God. Don't depend on brooks. Depend on God. The third thing, don't run from where God reigns. Don't run away from what God reigns over. Obey God. Submit yourself to God. Trust in Him with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge Him. He'll direct your path. Thy will before give us this day. Thy will be done before our day.